This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? I'm doing good, Metcalf. This is a big one. I feel like this is going to be a very spicy episode. We, we got some very intriguing prospects to talk about that I feel like have been making a lot of noise and some that are trending as some big time sleepers. So I'm amped. I'm, I'm hyped up. What about yourself, Mr. Metcalf? How are we doing? It's it's Tuesday. You know, we're recording this for the Wednesday or the late night owls for Tuesday night. But how, how are you doing over there? I am swell. So, survived a, a little bit of a puppy health scare last night, but but all's good. P- puppy is healthy, happy, eating all good. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm really excited about this episode. Um, I, I think there's some really good athletes, some really good ball players, and a lot of differing views where especially with two of the guys it's two very different camps in who loves this guy and who loves that guy um so and i guess instead of beating around the bush might as well just get into it and Mm -hmm. today we're going to talk about the two top prospects on the baylor bears and the kansas jayhawks um given the recent discourse online and just in the general draft community. Um, that's God, that's such an ugly statement. I can't believe I just said that. Um, I, I think starting with the Baylor guys with Jer- Jeremy Suhan and Kendall Brown um, is kind of the best place to start. So they're two very different players who essentially kind of play the same position. So just want to start vague with it. Where, where are you at with those guys? Do you have a preference one over the other? Well, obviously, you have to have a preference one over the other because you can't combine two people. But right. w- w- what's your general viewpoint with those two guys? So I, I was really excited that we decided to do both of these teams when it came to like breaking down these prospects because I do think there's some very, very – this is a really strong slate of prospects for this podcast episode um, because I think these guys all – have a realistic chance to go in the first round, including a guy on Kansas that I'm extremely high on. I think he's a little bit of a sleeper, um, but I could see him being up there. But, you know, when it comes to Baylor, I'm a little higher on Kendall, Kendall Brown. And and I understand like Suhan has been one of the hottest names in the draft community. I, I mean, he is scorching. He's on fire. Everyone wants to talk about Suhan. People have been saying they want to have him in the top 10. I mean, he is just roaring up boards right now and, and everyone's getting drunk on it. And I understand this is like we've said on previous episodes before, this is the time of the year where someone starts to really make a statement and Suhan's trending as this guy that's going to keep climbing, especially if Baylor can have themselves a solid run and he continues to impress. So, yeah, I mean, I'm higher on Kendall, um, but I really wanted to talk about this with you because I know you're higher or you're very fond of Suhan. So, I mean, hit me, hit me with the Suhan talk, Metcalf. Like I, let's, let's, let's talk this out because I do feel like this could be a little bit heated between me and you. And I don't want to, because I love you, but um, where, where are you at with Suhan? Where are you thinking you're going to move him up? You know, kind of what we did last week. Like what's too rich for you if he gets to mm-hmm. a certain range? Yeah. So I, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I, I told you that I had Suhan in the lottery and you nearly right. got my head off. Um, yes. And I, I, he's still there. He's still at 12 for me. Okay. Um, I have Kendall at 16. So a little lower, but same general kind of ballpark. Um, so I, I definitely get the arguments for one over the other. There's not a huge gap in those guys. Um, to me, 
when you look at Suhan, I, I think it's it's so he's such a tough Evo because when you look at the number, the raw numbers, it's not super overwhelming or impressive. Eight and a half points, six point one rebounds, one point seven assists, point seven blocks, one point two steals, uh 48 29 58 shooting splits it's nothing that's like yes nba guy but then you watch him play and it's all the little things he does on both ends of the floor it's so important to how that team functions with the way he hunts rebounds the way he boxes out the way he rotates off ball defensively the way he moves the ball and cuts and it's all those little things that open up easy opportunities for himself but then allow the rest of the team to do a lot of really different things and really important things because he's doing the dirty work that is easy to just kind of ignore. Um, I worry about the shooting um, and how that kind of translates in the long run. I like that he's a little more confident and eager to shoot than Kendall is. Uh, The fact that Kendall frequently passes up uh, wide open threes and doesn't even look at the rim, I think is a little concerning. Um, and then just Suhan's like the the way he attacks the rim, I think is really, really impressive. It's not overly flashy, but he's got really good strength, good touch at the rim, really good footwork. And then he's really patient with up and unders or interior passing and stuff like that. So it, it's just a lot of little things that he does on every possession that I think is just really special, especially for someone his age. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I, I watched both of these guys today. Um, I was just tinkering with my big board, like just kind of messing around, moving guys up a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not finalized with these rankings, but I still have Kendall at 12. Um, I've had him there before. I'm still very fond of his game. Um, I have Suhan around 18 right now, and he's one of those guys that I, I'm still wanting to kind of creep up. Um, I know I'm going to keep watching him more later tonight, probably after this podcast, but it's funny to me because you, you watch both of these guys, and I really do feel like they're way more similar than some people might think. Like, I think it's it's funny to me because I, I almost feel like Suhan – is it Suhan, Suhan, Suhan? Suhan, right? Suhan. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of them. Okay. I, I just I just know it's not so champ. I'm so. calling him Jeremy from the now on, <laughs> so I don't get people upset. So Jeremy, I feel like is the confident version of what we want Kendall Brown to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I think Jeremy has the confidence of making all these plays, being aggressive. Like he hesitates sometimes on shots, but he also has the the recognition of like, if someone's daring him to shoot, he's like, I'm shooting it. The shot definitely is going to need to work on, but Kendall needs to work on his shot because he has a solid foundation, but there's also like a, a hesitation. If you watch his film closely, it's exactly what you're talking about, Ty. Like he'll pass up that wide open three and sometimes he'll take it, but he hesitates at first. So it's almost like a weird loading thing. He's just got to get rid of that bad habit. But I think both of these guys really do some stuff on the basketball court that you can't teach. And with so with Jeremy, see, I was about to do it right there. <laughs> with Jeremy, it's um, the confidence is there. Like even yeah. if he makes a mistake, if he's a little erratic, he's still making – like he sees the play. He sees where he should go with it, the extra pass but he's confident with it. I still think Kendall has this rare tendencies and ability and vision on the court. He just doesn't showcase it fully. Like it's not always oozing. You know, if you know what I'm trying to say, because mm-hmm. Kendall can make some plays that you're like, Oh my gosh, like you can't teach that. Like, and the last game I watched, I was watching Sohan and he had a pass to Kendall on transition. And like the moment Kendall passed, touched it it was literally out of his hands right back and it was a wide open dunk for jeremy so i'm saying like i think both these guys can be really important complementary pieces at the nba level like you can't be expecting them to score 18 a game i think they're just going to be these assets that really help your team like improve quickly because kendall also has freakish athleticism that you just you never, you don't see it. Like he jumps and sometimes I wonder if he's going to actually come down. So I don't know. I, I'm really fascinated with both. I just think 
it's funny because Kendall was scorching in the beginning of the year. Everyone was intrigued. And it's, it's cooled down to where it's almost flipped. And I'm like, well, Kendall is still doing this stuff. He just isn't putting up the numbers that I think people were wanting. And, and you know, he was shooting 55% from three for a stretch in the beginning of the year. We all knew that was going to come down to earth. Like, that's he's not going to keep that up. So, I don't know. I, I'm just, what's your hesitancy with Kendall? That's kind of where I also want to get at. Is, um, it, is it just the confidence thing? Like what I'm trying to kind of say? Yeah, I mean, my, my hesitancy with him is that he hesitates so much in what everything right. he does, um, unless he's in transition. When he's in transition, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And it is absurd. His body control, the speed, the power, the vertical pop, the lateral mobility, it's, it's absurd. Um, but then once you get in the half court, that confidence just disappears um, ex- unless he's back cutting a guy, um, which he's arguably the best in the country at, but it's, I worry about the shot. I think it's still at um, 36.4%. So a solid number, but on bare, just over one attempt per game. I don't trust that. It seems like he doesn't trust that. I think he has a lot of elbow flare. I, I think it's relatively, it's not one of the more glaring issues. That's like, uncorrectable uh in terms of shooting mechanics um but i think to get a guy's confidence up to a level from where it's currently at to where it needs to be i think that's a lot tougher hill to climb than fixing a couple minor mechanical things um and then defensively i feel like he should be way more impactful than he is Mm -hmm. um and the, the the athleticism is obvious just laterally vertically it's all there but and he he has a steal rate of 2.2 and a block rate of 1.5 and a defensive rebounding rate of 14.2 all those numbers are far too low um so i it's he's not a very physical rebounder which is weird given his body and athleticism uh he's not really making plays defensively a whole lot i i like him generally on ball i think he's much better on ball than off ball um the rotations are getting better as the years progressed but it's still not where i think they should be because given his athleticism he should be a legitimate like weak side rim protector but we just never see it and the fact that all those you know rebounding steel block rates are so low is just really weird and just kind of a concerning um outlook for him defensively yeah it's weird i I almost feel like He's so athletic, but I feel like he's still trying to like figure out what he can do with his athleticism in a weird way. Because I do feel like on def- on defense, I thought in the beginning of the year, like, okay, he had the potential to be a really nasty defender, just mm-hmm. if he could figure out like how to consistently bring that, you know, athleticism and his quickness, because he can get moving side to side in a hurry. But I'm like you, it, it seems it seems like I thought. Kendall's role was going to be what Jeremy's doing now. And I think Jeremy's almost thriving so much in that role that now Kendall's kind of playing a little bit away and I'm not making excuses for Kendall. Like he should still be locking in and all of a sudden they'd have two just serious defensive Mm -hmm. weapons. But I'm wondering if it's just a confidence thing where it's like, yes, when when he's in transition, you could see his light, his eyes just light up. Like he is so confident because he's just a, a wrecking ball in the open floor. Like he jumps over everyone. He has this insane burst that you just cannot teach. You cannot find It's just God given ability. So I don't know. I, I, I still feel like Kendall's upside might be extremely high. Um, I do think very fondly of Jeremy. Like the more I watch, I understand why everyone's buzzing about him, but I still think, Kendall does a lot of stuff on the court that, you know, it's, it's really important stuff. Like it it makes your team better without showing up in the box score. So they're both, they're both fascinating prospects. I still kind of believe that someone's going to be in love with Kendall. Like someone's going to be buying into the long-term approach because he's just got some scary upside. There's a lot of, you know, tools that are slowly coming together. Yeah. And and just for comparison, I I threw out, Kendall's rates um, for 
for Jeremy, it's 19.8 defensive rebounding rate, um, 3.0 block rate, and 2.9 steal rate. So I mean, all of those are higher than Kendall. Mm-hmm. But the the thing we keep going back to with Kendall that we absolutely love is how he uses that athleticism and ball handling and kind of decision-making in the open court. And the reason I'm so frustrated about his rebounding is because he should be one of the best grab-and-go guys in the country where he's averaging seven defensive rebounds a game and turning that into three or four baskets at the other end immediately just because he's grabbing it and outrunning everyone the other way. We see him do that on like leak outs and when he's away from the ball, but I feel like we don't see a ton of that him just really taking charge and going coast to coast because he clearly has the skill for it. And I, he's, um, on, on close twos this year, and he's shooting 76%. He has 42 dunks on the team or on the season, uh, or 39 dunks on the season, excuse me. And he's the only guy on the team with over 100 attempts on close twos. So, I mean, he has no issues getting to the, to the rim or the interior. And then he's one of the best in the country at scoring there. It's just this indecisiveness and it just really seems like he doesn't have a ton of confidence in his game. Um, And I don't know if that's because of how they're using him or what, but it's just a weird kind of combination of athleticism and skill and lack of what appears to me at least is like a lack of self-belief almost. Yeah. The confidence, it stood out in the beginning of the year, you know, when I did a deep film dive on him for mm-hmm. one of our prospect things on YouTube, like uh, the confidence kind of jumped at me right away. Cause I was like, okay, you can tell with the outside shot. It, it's, it's, it's not there. Now you're starting to see that it's more than just that, because that exact thing you're talking about where he should be a grab and go demon because yeah. you see flashes of it. And there's not a lot of guys that can keep up with him in transition because he can stay at that top speed and be shifty without losing speed. He's so quick. I I mean, it's just remarkable when he has a clear runway, like the type of things he can do when it comes to dunking on people or side to side, just getting by people. Cause I have even seen him like beginning of a game jump ball. He gets the ball and takes like two dribbles full speed and just runway slam. Just like yeah. clear everyone just parts and they're like, oh my gosh, the defense didn't even know what the hell hit him. So it, it would be, it, it's weird because he has that ability. Like if mm-hmm. I had that athleticism and I'm not trying to be like, okay, if I was him, but I'm just right. saying you would think he'd be like, screw this. Like I'm going to go get the defense rebound and I'm going to take coast to coast and dunk on everyone because he has the ability to do that whenever he wants. So I don't know if it's like you're saying, I don't know if it's lack of overall confidence or, you know, just this self-belief, but um, I also don't know if he's just kind of trying to like not be aggressive enough where he's just trying to like be a good piece, like be a good teammate or, you know what I'm trying to say? Like I, it's, it's strange if maybe just one of these guys were, he wasn't expecting to just get all this attention in the beginning of the year. Now all of a sudden he's, he's one of the guys like everyone's talking about him. Everyone's buzzing, but I don't know. I, I still think there's some serious upside, but he will be um, a fascinating player. Like to hear about some Intel um, because he's just, he does a lot of stuff. You just, where it's the extra pass or some of the playmaking flashes he showed in the beginning of the year where it's, you know, drive defense collapses. He's kicking it out for a wide open three. You're just like, man, that was a pretty sequence. And, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things where it's a lot of guys in this class that we keep talking about Metcalf where it's, it's the flashes we're, we're yeah. falling for the flashes and we just need some more consistency. So at the next level, what is the best version of Kendall Brown? What, what is the best way to utilize him not only for team success, but for his own kind of personal development? What, what would you love to see? What what type of role would you love to see him be put in? The funniest thing is like I would love him to be what Jeremy's doing with Baylor right now. And, and I would love both of them to be that at the NBA level because I do think both of them can be that way. I just think Jeremy has way more confidence 
with what he can do. And, and, you know, Jeremy is a gifted defender. He's ahead of Kendall as a defender. It's not even close. Like from what I've watched, um, even like the ball handling, you can tell there's smoothness. There's some really good feel with Suhan. It, it's just, I think that's what Kendall could be a dangerous weapon like that. If he went to a team where he's like, he doesn't need to be the offense. He just needs to be like a rebounding defensive machine that is also horrifying with back cuts and attacking the lane, like does a lot of damage, makes the extra passes. Like, I think that's where he gets really intriguing to not all, you're not drafting him to be a, a bucket getter. You're just drafting him to make the rest of the core better on the court. I mean, I'm, what are you thinking? What, what do you think? Kendall's dream role is and you can talk to me about Suhan. I know you're barely holding it in so <laughs> no I so I, I I keep seeing so much of like Jared Vanderbilt and yeah Kendall Brown where but Vanderbilt just flips off the switch where he just stops caring about consequences and just full steam ahead through the brick wall he's not looking to go around it and I feel like Kendall doesn't quite have that switch to flip if you know what i mean but the his athleticism um what he could be i i think he could be like the vanderbilt almost 2.0 especially if that shot comes around like we both hope and maybe optimistically think it could um for suhan i it's weird and we 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 always talk about we hate doing comps and i i hate it with every fiber of my being um those who throw out Scotty Barnes, I think, is a big reach. I don't think Jeremy's that level of athlete. Um, yeah, let's calm really down good... on that, guys. I'm sorry. I love everyone yeah. in the draft community, but let's calm down there. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, S- Scott, Scotty's a freak athlete with absurd yeah. length. Uh, J- Jeremy is not that. Um, he has really good footwork, really strong, uh, really good balance, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't have the same level of athleticism as Scotty. Um, but like that, that kind of like a smaller bam at a bio almost, I would love, um, you know, God, I don't want to say Draymond green, but like that, that type of player, I'm not comparing him to one of the best defenders of all time. So I please don't misinterpret it as that, but like there are shades of like a Kyle Anderson. Um, so it, it, it's tough with him because he's, he's starting. He's just kind of like the next step in this new trend of power forwards that we've started seeing the last couple of years. So as kind of like a facilitator, rebounder, versatile defender, I I really don't think there's a rotation that he doesn't fit into. He still gives me weird, like not a good shooting version yet of Boris Diaw. I know that is really a handful for everyone listening to hear, but like, that's the vibes I get that you want Jeremy to turn into. Like you want him to be that smart passing playmaking guy that plays really smart basketball team defense can, can get after it and, and just is a glue guy. Like, I I think these are glue guys. You, You want them to be, what keeps the pieces of the puzzle together? Like what helps everyone else's life on the team become easier? So I don't know why I just can't get that like Boris Diaw. And I love Boris Diaw. So he's not there because Boris was a monster when he was. Yeah. When, when he won, when, when he was right, Boris was a monster. Just yeah. ignore, the, <laughs> ignore the Charlotte years and focus on like yeah. the prime Spurs years. Cause he was. Yeah. There's a reason was, why those Spurs team good. were flowing with Boris. Like that's. <laughs> That's the reason why. So, like, that's I'm not saying that lightly. I'm saying a very, very poor version of that that needs some work. But that's, I think, the hope you're getting Jeremy to turn into down the road. Very, very long down the road. But <laughs> I get it. I, it's it's always weird with those little versatile utility, like Swiss Army knife power forwards because you you always want to compare them to Draymond. Um, I know someone on Twitter kind of asked us like, what about Franz Wagner? And I still think Franz was, or Franz Wagner. Um, sorry, Germany. Um, I, I still think Franz is some sneaky athleticism and yeah, he's a much better athlete than 
much better athlete, but I, I do think Jeremy could be a fascinating asset. Um, that could be something special where if you can get him to really be rolling, um, you can have a special weapon on your team. Yeah. And just to touch on Franz again, but he, Franz also has way more on ball equity than Jeremy does. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the shots, the big issue, Jeremy's not a very good space creator or anything like that. I don't think that's who he's ever going to be. And I don't think he needs to be that. Not everyone has to be that, but I, I think what you said earlier about these guys being awesome connectors is really important because I'm not sure either of them make a bad team good, but I think they will be these guys who help make a really good team. Great. If that makes sense, where they can. That's a great way to say it. That, that was nice. I'm going to have to clip that in my craft. <laughs> that was nice. Everyone listening to that. I think you're spot on. I, I, I think that's the perfect way to say it. I, I think a smart team is going to take them earlier than some people think. And that is the team that is good that wants to get to the next level. Like this is the type of guys you need to, and I'm not saying right away. I, I, I'm saying like, this is the type of guys that you're saying right. in two years, they're going to make us a, a problem being alongside of everyone that we have here. Exactly. And I, I, I know we, we both gave our, you know, official rankings or whatever at this point in time, but there's generally ranges to how that can fluctuate. So let, let's just start, start off with Kendall and then you can go into Jeremy. Um, what would be too high on draft night where you hear their name called and you're like, Oh wow, that was early. Um, okay. Bold, but good for you. And then at what point are you like, what is happening? Why, why is this guy's name not off the board yet? Um, so I was higher on, I've been pretty high on Kendall the whole year. Cause I still just, I really believe the upside. Um, but right now I, I would say inside the top 10, I would be like, okay, that's a little, you won't sleep as good as you should have that night. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, you'll be a little uncertain because I don't know if Kendall's ready to come in and help right away. I, he, if he's not asked yeah. to be a starter, I think he needs to learn the ropes, needs to build that confidence. Like, sucks to say this. He could be a lottery guy that needs to go play in the G League right away. Like, he he just is going to be this one guy that, like, he needs to build confidence. You can tell it with the hesitation on some of the shots he has, like some of the things he does on the court. If he got outside of the lottery, I'd be like, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to go get this guy. Like, someone, this is a going to make you a lot better and i also think if he got outside the lottery it would also be perfect for him because he'd be going to a really smart organization that's like no we're gonna get a a heck of a asset you know a heck of a lottery ticket that we're gonna keep developing and and cash in all the profits so that's probably where i'm at with kendall what about you i i i'm I, i think top 10 is a little too rich for me um I could see 11 or 12, but you know, that, that back end of the lottery to kind of mid first round. Um, I, I currently have them at 16. So I mean, really any farther than that, or even like 17, I, I think at that point it's like, okay, what's th- this is kind of getting weird. Um, like this guy's too athletic and has far too much untapped potential to keep falling this far. Um, and then, some dumb NBA teams would just continue to gift the good ones a really promising prospect uh, for Jeremy, you know, God, I mean, we keep seeing people say top five or top 10. And I really like Jeremy. I really do. I think that's far too rich. I don't think he has quite that level of upside, um, but kind of that 10 to, I mean, it's basically same range 10 to 18, I think is, ideal i think any higher is a little too rich any lower is what is happening there's some bad behind the scenes intel or people are just making some brutal mistakes here yeah i'm not there with the top 10 with jeremy i i think that's um i think that's everyone needs to call an uber um i would probably say 13 14 would be like okay, you went and got your guy, you're believing it and you're all in, like, go get your guy is what I always say. If you have a guy you're in love with, don't wait, go get him. Um, if he got to, you see, I'm not 
I wouldn't be too shocked if he's like on the board at 20. Um, But if he got like 25, I'd be like, okay, what's going on? But I do think like, this is a guy, especially with this draft, we always keep saying like, there's a point in the draft (laughs) where the range is just going to be so wild. So it's, if he's on the board at 14, it's like, okay, this could be him or it could be him going in eight more picks. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all. I would either say, nice selection at 14 or I would be like, man, you got a pretty good value potentially at 22. So um, yeah, I think they're like, I was saying earlier in this podcast, I I really do think these guys are more similar than people might think. I just think we're starting to fall for Suhan right now because he's the hot name and um, you know, he's, he's starting to give off the idea that he's going to start dyeing his hair like Dennis Rodman. So like (laughs) if he starts doing that in this season, I'm definitely going to have to start moving him up my board. You're going to have he to move him the up leopard for, j- just for, for, for vibes alone. Yeah, if he does the leopard prints or like the five different colors, I- I'm in trouble. My big board is <laughs> going to be destroyed. All right. Well, I, I think that's a good place to pivot to the other two guys, um, the, the Kansas Jayhawks, Ochai Igbaji and Christian Brown. Brown. Christian Brown. There it is. Um, there it is. I have. I, I want to start with Igbaji uh, because yeah. I've been – in love with him since the minute he stepped on the floor his freshman year um, and immediately dove for about 12 straight loose balls. Um, I've been begging this guy to go out to go pro uh, for years. And now finally he's going to be forced to Um, the developmental arc that his career has gone through, I think is pretty astounding. Um, as, as a freshman, he was originally supposed to redshirt and then due to injuries, they had to take that away and just kind of throw him out there. And he was just this pure chaotic and athletic energy guy. And the fact that he's now developed into someone who's consistently running the pick and roll is shooting off screens is shooting pull-ups is attacking the rim, playing some of the best team defense in the country. It's such an astounding level of growth that I, I don't think can be overstated. Um, he's currently nine for me right now. I absolutely adore his leadership, his intangibles, what he does on the court every night. Um, I, I think he's one of these guys where, yes, there'll be guys who go above him just for pure upside. Um, but I, I really think he's one of these guys who's a, a can't-miss guy and is going to be around the league for a handful of years. So if you, if you had told me like three months ago, not even three months ago, if you told me like two months ago that you had him nine, I'd be like, man, like, wow, I, I'm proud of you. That, that's sticking to your yeah. guns. Like, and then I, I just keep watching him and it's so funny. Cause today I, I'm tinkering with my big board. Cause I'm just trying to update it. I haven't done it in like three weeks and I'm trying to be like, okay, like who, who I want to move up. You know, I just, I basically just keep moving guys around and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, let's, let's start to get serious. But I got to that exact number and I was like, someone should jump up here. Who is it? And I just kept looking at everyone and I don't know why, but the moment you just said that I looked and I was like, that's not crazy. I I think he could a hundred percent be a top 10 pick. And I know that's going to be like people here in this room, like, what are you talking about? He's 22 on draft day. He's, you know, upperclassman. And it's like, yeah, but this dude can play. Like, this guy does it all on the court. Um, I just think some team is going to be in love. I think he's going to dominate the workouts, he's going to dominate the interviews. Yep. Um, and I think teams are just going to be drooling and it sounds like the kids got great background. It sounds like the Intel is going to be really strong. This is a guy that's going to be the, the Chris Duarte vibes of early plug and contribute. Um, he's got an NBA frame. He's got length. He's, he's a tough SOB. Like I really do think you're onto something. And for everyone that doesn't believe in Metcalf, he was, drinking the Johnny Davis Kool-Aid about two months before everybody else was. So I know his previous draft rankings aren't perfect, (laughs) but you know, no, 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 no. It's just one year. (laughs) Everybody has one bad year. Um, But I really do think Abaji's, you know, we came into this 
excited to talk about Kendall and um, Jeremy with Baylor. And, and I was amped to talk about Abaji because every yep. time you watch him, I just love how he competes. He can shoot the shit out of the basketball. Um, and he just, he's scoring a lot of ways. Like he, he also has some feel to his game. Like he can get downhill and stop on a dime if he needs to. I just really think this is one of those guys, the more you watch, the more you're going to realize NBA front offices want this. They want this in a potential lottery pick. They want like a, a high floor guy that could come in and space the floor, offer potential defensively. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I don't think nine's ridiculous. I, I, I still think there's someone in that spot that it is going to shock us on draft day. And it might be a Baji. Someone might take him and everyone's like, that's too early. And it's like, no, it ain't. They got a they got a hooper at nine. They just got a nice piece, and um, the upside might not be as high as everybody else's, but that's the high floor is also going to be there. So I love that Metcalf. I'm proud of you for that. Yeah, and just, just to, uh, I promise. <laughs> no, just to like further highlight his scoring versatility. Uh, just going to run through a handful of numbers. So bear with yeah. me. Um, so overall points per possession, ninety fifth percentile. Uh, spot up 87th percentile transition, 82nd pick and roll ball handler, 67th, which Synergy still considers very good. Um, handoff 93rd, cutting 98th, offensive Oof. rebounds 92nd, around the basket and non post ups 99th, uh, shooting off the catch 93rd, all three point jump shots 88th. So th- this dude is still, ha- still has that athletic at room finishing ability, but now he's paired it with absolutely lethal outside shooting. I mean, he's 43.3% on almost seven attempts a game. And it's, it's not just standing in the corner and shooting off the catch. It's running off screens. It's pulling up off the dribble. It's pulling up in transition and spotting up and just shooting open catch and shoot stuff. It's just such a shocking development. It's, I feel like whenever we get these young athletic kids who are really raw as freshmen, and they go, they end up being one and done. We're like, oh, well, what if he, what if the shot comes around? What if this happens? What if he learns how to dribble? And th- those questions were all there with Igbaji after his freshman year. And now he's done it. And he's turned into that player that we always hope these athletic, quote unquote, three and D guys, the label that gets vastly overused, we, he's turned into the ideal, almost the idealized version of what we always hope they are. And now, come draft time people are going to be like lottery on a 22 year old it's like yeah because he just turned into what we've all hoped all of these guys turn into it's like stop stop just hoping for like he's shown he's showing you what he is he's showing you what he can do and what he does do every night um i I think your your point about the intel is spot on because i would be stunned if there's a single interviewer workout that he goes into and a front office comes out like meh like everything I've heard about this kid is that he is a class act of awesome guy, a great leader, incredible work ethic. Um, and I, I know we mentioned it last episode too, but I think it was CJ Moore, that article he wrote for the athletics yes. on Agbaji. It, it was, it was fantastic. So I, I do not have a negative word to say about this guy. Um, but since we are analyzing what these guys can and cannot do and who they'll be and you know, all of that, we we do have to mention, are there any weaknesses? Is there anything about his game that you worry about or that you don't think translates or could get picked apart at the next level? You know, I'm just always a stickler for defense. Like, I want guys to be better defensively. I, I think mm-hmm. he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be able to hang his hat defensively. But you're always going to need to get better. So, I mean, if I'm really getting picky, that's probably there. Um handles maybe that but i'm one of those guys that your handles are going to improve when you get to the nba because you're going to be working on it relentlessly like if you don't think that go watch jalen brown in college and watch what jalen brown's done now at the celtics like he has worked on it over time it, it just some guys you know about you can get a little loose with it but it's also like that's when he's just super aggressive getting downhill mm-hmm. and stuff like that so i think you'll he'll learn quickly that he he's got to keep that tight. Um, but I, I just, I wanted to go off of your point too, Metcalf, like 
Abaji was is fascinating because this is personally my favorite thing with guys that go back to school for multiple years. Yes. It's not just improving each year. It is a leap each year. So he's in his senior year at Kansas. But if you go back and look, freshman year, this is points per game. He went 8.5, sophomore year 10, junior year 14.1. Right now, he's at 20.4. Those are leaps forward. Those aren't just small ticks. Those are leaps. And then you go see his three-point percentage. Freshman year, 30.7. Sophomore year, 33.8. Junior year, 37.7. Now, 43.3. Like that, those are leaps. Those aren't just little tiny. Those are big jumps. So he, you can tell he's been putting in the work. You can tell that he's been busting his butt. And for everyone that thinks like we're lying, like people have said he dominated interviews at the combine last year, like scouts were blown away, but they just wanted him to go back and and show more. And he's taken another huge leap and you could see the works putting. in. so we're not just making this up. People have put it out there. Like he he was one of the top interviewers. I think I've seen it in a, um, an article by Mike Schmitz on ESPN. I think I've seen it with the athletic, like you can find it. It, It's out there. So when, when they're talking about it, that means it's really getting positive feedback everywhere. So, it, you know, I have him 14th right now. Um, every time I put him somewhere, I'm like, I, I don't have him high enough. Like, I, it bugs the shit out of me. And, and today I tinkered and I just keep looking at his name. And I'm like, why don't I put him higher? What is keeping me from having a Baji higher? Because the age isn't an excuse. I no. understand everyone loves upside and youth. But I want hoopers. Like an NBA team wants hoopers. You want guys that are going to make your team better, and Abaji's going to do that. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I think it's just like just some fine tuning. Um, I don't. Some people might get scared of the shot selection. I don't. I, I think he takes some great shots. Um, he's a tough bucket getter. Um, he also can get through traffic, slithery. Like he can. Yeah. He can navigate traffic in a hurry what about you where are you at like what would you say is probably like not not the overall weakness i'm just saying what what do you think areas of improvement i guess is is the proper way that i like to explain it yeah i mean i i think the the shooting off the dribble could use improvement um i think some of that comes down to just workload and mm-hmm. just what he's asked to do. Cause and the last two years, he really hasn't played with a point guard and he's had to do a lot of the initiating. And once that is taken away from him, I think a lot of these weaknesses or things that we're talking about here kind of go away because he's not asked to do them. Um, I think that the handle it's, it's fine. It's not nothing special. Um, but like you said, he, he, a really good athlete and knows how to get to the rim still. So just like a really effective straight line driver. Um, Then I think while his offensive production has skyrocketed as his, as he's gotten older at Kansas, I think his on ball defense has gotten a little worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you know, maybe that's just due to, he has such a big offensive responsibility now that, you know, so, so energy has to come from somewhere and maybe that's it because he's still a really good team defender and off ball defender. So it's not like the instincts or anything like that is gone. Uh, maybe the athleticism is just taking a, a half step back. Um, so stuff like that, where, you know, defensively in the NBA, I think he's probably more of like a Robert Covington where he's this awesome team defender, but will occasionally, but will get burned on ball occasionally rather than like a Mikhail Bridges, who's, going to be the defensive player of the year sooner rather than later um i i I just i don't think there's really any glaring weakness especially since he's going to be asked to play more off ball um the off ball shooting's ridiculous um yeah i i think it's just a lot of things that he's never really been asked to do that he's now being kind of forced to do because the team doesn't really have the pieces for it and he's just like all right this is my team. I'll step up coach. Like, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Yeah. Like I've gotten massacred on YouTube for saying that he should go to <laughs> Memphis. Um, the, we have the one guy that keeps commenting like, I love him. I, I love how passionate he is. Like, I always love the fans. Like if you want, I've always joked, like if you want to come after me, come after me. But like, this is exactly the, Abaji going to the Grizzlies would be a horrifying development for the NBA. 
because you're giving him more spacing, which means now he's going to be more of a threat when he's catch-and-shoot opportunities, playing off the ball, what he does best. So now you're all of a sudden making his life way easier. Um, I mean, can you imagine Morant driving and being able to kick to him or Bain? Like, it, it'd be horrifying for the NBA. So I'm just saying, like, this is a guy that you're going to draft and his life's going to get easier because you're not drafting him to be like, okay, here's the ball. Go get it. He can do that for you, mm-hmm. but you're hoping you're drafting him with like, okay, we have a couple pieces. We need a guy that could be a lethal floor spacer, like catch and shoot weapon. And yep. You just got one. So I, I just really do think like if he was putting up his numbers and, and he was 20, he'd be a top seven pick. Like, We'd be what would we be talking about? We'd be like, yeah, Abaji's up there, but right. this is damn upperclassman tag where we're just being like, well, he's twenty two, and it's like, who cares? Guy could fucking play basketball at a really high level with any gun in this class. Like, I don't know. See, now I knew. I thought I was gonna get in a battle with you. Now I'm getting a battle with my mm-hmm. inner demons about the <laughs> upperclassman tag. So. No, uh, no, I, 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 you, you will never have to fight me over supporting Igbaji. Yeah. and and y- yes, technically he's pro- he pr- he has less room to grow than other guys in the with the a lottery grade because they're eighteen and he's twenty two. But also, if you look at how much he's grown since his freshman year, I'm, I'm not ruling out continued growth. I'm not ruling out that he can add something new to his game that can help him be an even better player over the next couple of years when he hits when he hits his you know more traditional prime so yes he's older i think that gets way overused if we were arguing for him in the top three or four then okay then i think age comes into play and it's like mm, not quite but when middle of middle to late lottery it's like this guy is a proven leader proven player proven contributor at anything you ask him to do what else could you ask for yeah i'll have one more bold take that'll probably piss some people off but um i'll give a shout out to baseball fans with this next analogy because of the horrible news today so sorry for that um i think everyone wants to swing for superstars they want to swing for the fence every fan base wants to do it like they get to a point where they're like hey you're picking ninth you should be swinging for the fences you get fired when you keep swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if more teams swung for singles and doubles, they would get GMs would get extensions. They would be getting out of the lottery. They would not be in the lottery every year. When you keep swinging for raw upside, like upside is a horrifying word when you're talking about prospects. Because then you become fascinated with this idea, this obsession of what a player can turn into. It doesn't mean that he is that right now. You're just dreaming of what he could turn into. Abaji, we know what he's going to be. Now, he might not have the upside of um, Jaden Hardy or Benedict Matherin or guys like that. You might say, hey, those guys have a higher ceiling. But Abaji might be safe. And Abaji might get you a contract extension. And Abaji might have you pick an 18th next year instead of ninth. Like those are the type of players that teams need to be more fascinated with when it comes to picking in that range of getting outside the top eight almost. Because yeah, you could take a swing, but if you take a swing and miss, you're you're probably not gonna have a job. Like you're probably also setting your team back two years because you just took that massive swing. Because say you're taking this super raw, I don't you know where I'm going with this, but like, say you're taking a super raw big man that you think is going to be a franchise altering presence. Who could that be? No, I'm not talking about just <laughs> Jalen Duran this year. No, I, I do think, I I'm just saying this has happened with centers all over the place. Yeah, if you look back. every year. And if you take that guy, you're waiting two years to see if he makes some strides. If he doesn't, you're picking in the lottery again. And if he doesn't do that, you're picking a lottery again, and you're probably out of a job. So I just think, yeah, we under, I understand when fans are like, no, you got to go for a superstar. And it's like, no, you don't. Some guys do because they think it's, you know, we got to get a star. And it's like the smart GMs see the value. They take it, and they run with their next contract extension. They run to the bank, and they're saying, all right, we got better. We got a safe asset. 
Let's regroup. And, and, you know, obviously no prospects are guaranteed, but I think this is why like guys like Abaji need to be more desired when it comes to the lottery. There and, you go. I'm done with that. And spe- speaking of value, I think a guy who could prove to be tremendous value on draft night is Christian Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Igbaji's teammate, 6'6", 218-pound shooting guard from Kansas, uh, currently averaging 15.3 points, uh, 6.1 rebounds, 2.9 assists on 51, 35, 74 shooting splits. I'm a huge Christian Brown fan. Um, I believe you're even higher, so I'm just going to give you the floor on what, what, what are your overarching thoughts? Where do you have them? What do you love about them? Where are you at with Christian Brown? You know, I'm probably going to have him higher than a lot of people. Um, I have him, where's my, I had him 27th right now. And I understand there's going to be some people that had him in the 40s. There's going to have some people that are like, he might not even get drafted, whatever. I understand everybody's doubt. But my thing is, I believe Christian could be the highway robbery of the draft, depending on where he gets drafted. Another guy, just like Abaji, that is, has kept staying at Kansas. Um, I remember watching him in his freshman year, and I was like, who's this, this white kid that looks like he could shoot the cover off the ball? Yeah. And I just kind of made a note because I was like, okay, he looks like a guy that's, okay, getting minutes as a raw freshman at Kansas. That's definitely notable. Um, and I was like, all right, I'll make a note of that. And I've just, I kept tracking him over the years, and I've been really intrigued because he just keeps getting better. Um, he just is a damn smart basketball player. Like he just knows where to be all over the floor. He moves brilliantly away from the ball. He, he understands spacing. He understands how to make the right pass, the right decision. Um, he's not afraid to mix it up. He is confident. Like he is not afraid yes. to, to talk shit to anyone. He doesn't give a crap who's lining up against him and, you know, I've even read an article, I think, earlier this year by The Athletic again, and they were talking about Christian Braun, especially, and Abaji was like, man, that, that dude's an asshole when he's yeah. rolling. Like, he, he will let yeah. you know, and he's got the game to back it up. So, you know, I, I think people will look at Christian's stats, and they'll be like, well, he's supposed to be this good shooter. Why is he shooting such a low percentage? Well, he's shooting, I think, in the last seven or eight games, he's up in, like, the mid-40%. He can shoot. Um I think I wouldn't judge that number too much, but the biggest development from his sophomore year to this year, I think has been his um, attacking, like putting yes. the ball on the ground and, and creating hundred percent because he's a, he's a big boy. Like he's, he's, he's around six, seven. Um, now he's showing some nastiness and he, he can hold his own defensively. Like this isn't, I'm sorry, Miami Heat fans, but this isn't a Duncan Robinson situation. Like he's Kevin Herter vibes where like he could be a bigger version of that. I really do believe it. This is just a smart basketball player. Like he's not going to go get to 25. He could like he can get hot and take over. But I think he could do more with a 12.9 rebound performance than a lot of people realize. Like hockey assist guy where it's just, the ball is supposed to go here. One extra pass. It's a wide open three. Like he, he sees the floor. Well, um, I'm just a really big fan. And I think if he went in the second, I think whoever gets him is going to get a heck of a steal. Um, if someone's really smart at the end of the first, like a playoff team, uh, I think they would jump all over them because that's a smart basketball player that knows his strengths, which is a big deal. He knows his strengths. He knows what, he needs to do on the court also to make his team better. So yeah, humongous fan. Um, I know Nathan at draft deeper and our, on our no ceilings crew. He's a huge fan too. Um, we've been trying to figure out a way to do a piece together on, on Christian, but I don't even know if we can keep it under 10,000 words because we love him so much. So yeah. Where are you at Metcalf? Like, are you, you said you're a good fan, a big fan. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think there? Is there anything else you need to see like when it comes to being an NBA prospect? Like what's too early for you? You know, the same questions we've been saying with these guys, because I really do think I understand the defense needs to come around a little bit more consistently, but I think 
I think he's shown enough where he should be able to hold his own. Yeah. And he, he, he's really tough for me because yeah. I've had him like as high as 25. Um, mm-hmm. He's currently at 37 for me right now. Um, and that's, I, I think that's more so me just moving other guys up instead of and not necessarily moving him down. If that makes sense. Um, right. 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 But, and I agree. And I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, that's what I said before. Like, I think he could go anywhere in the, that range. Like I, I really do. And I, mm-hmm. it's going to be one of the underrated storylines, I think on draft days, seeing where he goes. Cause I do think he could have a strong, you know, pre-draft process too, as well. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, so I'm like top 20 would be way too rich for me. 20 mm-hmm. to 25. It'd be like, okay. Anything after that, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that that makes sense. Um, something you mentioned that I think is so important is his the way he attacks the rim now. And his freshman year, he was an absurd shooter, and he it wasn't on super high volume, and he averaged five point three points on forty four point four percent from three, and he was dubbed this awesome shooter shooting percentages plummet the next year to 34%, but on 9.7 points per game because defenses realized, okay, the, they, they know who he is at this point. He's not a surprise. They're out there running him off the line and he couldn't really do anything when he got ran off the line. And it was like, Oh crap, I can't take this three anymore. Now what? Excuse me. Th- this year. Now he's attacking the rim. Now he's cr- attacking, finishing above the rim. He is not a, sneaky athlete he's a legit athlete this dude's got some vertical pop and then his passing on the interior i think has really taken a leap um currently yeah 15.3 points I and mean, he's still only at 35 percent on three and a half attempts from three which i don't love um i think he kind of has a little bit of a low release but it's consistent it's the same thing every time and on higher volume or a bigger overall offensive responsibility it doesn't surprise me that that shooting percentages come down but the fact that now when defenses run him off that three-point line he's like okay let me just attack the rim at will and i will yam it on your center and then talk all this shit to him because he just got dunked on by a six six white dude who jumped 20 inches higher than him um i i love his attitude i love his like you said, that's how that story laid out that he becomes a different person on the court than he is off where off the court. He's this great dude, great teammate on the court. He's this fucking asshole that will talk all the shit. He has so much confidence and the the passing, the scoring improvement. It's it's similar to Igbaji and a real testament to Kansas's development staff because he he's like Igbaji Brown. Brown has taken these leaps every Mm -hmm. season, 5.3 points to 9.7 to 15.3.5 assists to 1.9 to 2.9, 2.9 rebounds to 5.2 to 6.1. They really know how to grow these guys' games to make them really well-rounded players. And that's exactly what Brown is. Uh, Defensively, I think he's okay. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's going to kill you. I think he has the athleticism to be better. And, you know, if really made, point um it won't surprise me if he turns into a solid defender so really anywhere in that like late first early second range i think it is a legitimate shot for him to go uh whether he decides to come out or go back to his for his senior year and kind of have that be his team i think will be really interesting because it would almost be a really similar igbaji arc um to kind of how his kansas career went yeah it's really um it it you, I wanted to say exactly what you just said about Kansas's developmental staff because you're seeing the exact same thing with with Christian, and, and it's 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 fascinating to me. I, I really do think the strides he's taken because last year when I watched him, I was like, okay, he's taking a step. It's not the step to get to the NBA, so I was like, he's either going to have to be another big leap next year to get in the conversation, or he's going to have to be Abaji's path where it's like okay he's gonna play four years hopefully gets drafted earlier than he deserves when he puts up solid production because of the upperclassman tag but you know he's also he's not arrogant with his confidence I want to like put that out it's not like this you can't stand watching him it's just like he knows he belongs out there he wants to compete he 
I don't think he's like aggressive to talk it, but if you poke the bear, he's going to come alive. And and that's right. what I love about him. But he also just, he's taking these strides in a number of different areas. Like his rebounding, he's had a couple of games recently where he's having like double digit rebounding games. And so like, he's not afraid to get inside. He's not afraid to mix it up. Um, I, I'm just really, really a big fan. And, and I'm like you, it'll be fascinating to kind of see, I think he could be a guy on that team that heats up if Kansas has a run and then that, that, that stove could start to get on, on high speed. Like we could start being like, okay, here comes the Christian Brown movement. Like I really do think this is a, a smart basketball player that can do a little bit of everything on the court and understands how to get to his spots because He's just smart. He doesn't need to force. He understands how to get his shot, how to work to get somebody else a better shot. Like those are important qualities. Yeah, absolutely. And even if he does, or I, I guess to piggyback off what you were saying, if he gets hot, if he ends up shooting like 45% from three through the big 12 and NCAA tournament, it wouldn't surprise me at all with that athleticism. Um, if NBA teams are like, come on out, like, yeah declare like you're okay um yeah so any other thoughts on brown's overall game no i mean i i really do think some front office is gonna be falling in love like i I joke i follow the celtics closely because my entire family roots for them and i was like i'm glad brad stevens uh traded that pick when they were picking like 15th i was like that he's gonna take christian brown and just laugh at everyone and be like i got the perfect asset thanks guys but um no, I mean, that would have been awesome because it would have been a great fit. But no, I, I love him. I think everyone that's got to be probably a serious sleeper that everyone needs to to start paying close attention to. Because if you watch him, you will becoming a fan. Like You will become a fan quickly with just the, the type of basketball player he is and the way he plays the game. So, yeah, And before we wrap up, uh, I, n- no in-depth analysis needed, but just wanted to throw another name out there in terms of Kansas developmental stuff. Keep an eye on KJ Adams. This dude is going to be so good. I, he plays like two minutes a game right now, but I, I absolutely adore him. And in two or three years, he's going to be a top 20 pick. Um, oh, but, wait, I do have one yeah. last thing. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I forgot. And it's about Christian Braun, and it's really important. If you go watch Abaji throughout the entire year, you're going to see he gets a ton of open shots. And I got about... 20 minutes end of watching it and I started realizing there was a reoccurring theme that uh, someone was throwing him the pass every single mm-hmm. time. So that's the type of player I'm talking about with Christian Braun. Like he understands how to get some guys wide open shots. Like that is just being a team player. And I think that's the type of stuff that's really going to stand out to scouts and front offices because they're going to be like, Hey, this guy knows how to, find people like this guy doesn't want to go get 25. He wants to get his team a W at the end of the day. So I thought that was really important. If you go watch Abaji now, like just, you're going to see a a certain player throwing a lot of really good passes and it's, it comes up a lot. I was shocked. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's every time. So uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to make sure to say that. Yeah. It's a common theme between with both those guys with, how they use their athleticism and basketball IQ to put pressure on the rim and then take whatever the defense gives them. If the mm-hmm. defense slides over, they're dumping it off to McCormick or kicking it out to the, to each other for an open three. If the defense doesn't slide over, they're having an easy bucket at the rim. It's, it's, you know, it's a testament to that Kansas coaching staff and how right. they develop these guys and teach them how to play. Uh, but Rucker, if that's it, as always, what was the best thing in the basketball world you saw recently? You know, I love anarchy and I, there was a pretty obvious one that I feel like Metcalf's going to mention. So I'm going to let him have that one, but I love anarchy and chaos and, you know, it just turned March 1st today. And what better way to get prepared for March madness than all the top 10 teams losing pretty much on the same <laughs> night. It was just so awesome. I was like, yes, this is the tone setter for the tournament. This is perfect. But, uh, I'm so pumped for March Madness to be back because I'm I'm just amped about what we're going to be doing with no ceilings and everything going on in the basketball world. It's a beautiful time of the year. Just feels right. Yeah. What about you, Metcalf? What was it? It's, it's drama rant. It's gotta be. He's he's just absurd. Um, The fact that we all cheered when he murdered another human being on live TV is 
it's a little worrying for our society, but God, that was absurd. Um, yeah, and he he's just on another level right now, and that that Grizzlies team is legit. And another testament to like what we were talking about with Baji earlier. Yes, some luck comes into play with the Morant pick, but the way they've built that team through drafting good quality players and then taking the occasional home run swing with like yeah, Zaire with, like with yeah. Williams. That's how the smart teams build. And I, I think it's a real testament to how smart and thoughtful and strategic that front office has been. Um, so just the Memphis Grizzlies as a whole, and especially John Morant. But Rucker, please plug away. Tell the people where they can support you and what to keep an eye out for. Um, I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter. You guys can hit me up anytime if you want to chat some draft or just chat some hoops or, you know, life in general. But uh, also at www.noceilingsnba.com, uh, we're going to have some fun stuff coming up, especially regarding the draft. So everyone be on alert for that. Um, I'm still going to be grinding. I got a couple prospect breakdowns in the works. I'm, I'm in the lab right now working on some special ones. So this is going to be fun. I'm excited to get those those rolling again. Um, Mr. Metcalf, what are you working on? Plug away, kind sir. Um, I will have another Friday screener out this Friday, obviously. Uh, not sure what on yet. I think I'm leaning towards Jalen Williams, the big from Arkansas, something with his kind of pick and roll versatility. But we shall mm-hmm. see. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, but you can follow me and find all my work on Twitter at tmetcalf11. And please make sure to subscribe to No Ceilings at noceilingsnba.com where you can find all of our written work for free. Uh, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at no ceilings NBA and on YouTube at no ceilings TV as well. All of our stuff is a hundred percent free. There's no excuse not to subscribe. So please help support us. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating until next time. See ya.